For years, people have been writing to me and requesting that I interview the creator of the Gene Keys, Richard Rudd. And sometimes things have to roll out in their own time, and the time is now. And I feel it's now because we're all going through such an incredible period of history with so much opening up to us and so much closing down to us. So what better time to begin understanding where we're headed as a species and where we're headed individually and how we can begin rolling out our true program, our true destiny as our genes are programmed to do with a little bit of our conscious help. So let's go to Richard. Richard, it's so good to have you with me. Oh, thank you, Regina. It's lovely. It's been lovely um, getting to know you a bit. And um, I'm really happy to be here. Delighted. Well, I, I am too. I just, I have to say it's been really fun. It's been really fun. Um, leading up to this interview, we have a mutual friend, someone you've known many years, who is a close friend of mine as well, that said, it's time to interview Richard again. She knew that I had interviewed you years ago on Gaia in this weird little studio. I don't know if you recall, it, it was just this yeah. awful place that we had come up with. Who knows how that happened, but it did. And uh, But that was well, probably six, seven years ago. And much has happened with the Gene Keys since then, and much has happened with humanity since then. So anyway, um, we started um, downloading our profiles on genekeys.com, right? And people are looking at each other's file, file their our profiles. A couple of us said, let's just get the book now so we can start interpreting it. But what was so amazing to me, and you have to tell us where this magic comes from, is that in those key four paragraphs that come up in your, your free profile, the first paragraph just seemed to strike each person, each of us so deeply as having a really essential truth in it. So I'd love for you to just comment on that before we get into how this all came about. Yeah, well, you know, the, 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 the jinkies is all, I mean, a, a word I like to use because it's very kind of hip and understood at the moment is algorithms. Um, they're, they're the algorithms of, of our being. So, you know, we, we're, that in a way, when you understand the algorithms that run humanity or run consciousness, then if you have a good um, language command, then it's quite easy to interpret those algorithms in, you know, in your language and then and just sort of put them into a, a, something that helps people understand more about themselves. So that's kind of but it's more than that. It's almost yeah. magical in that it's almost like a it's almost it's almost like a divination of sorts of some really incredibly key parts of self that pop up right away. And that's how, of course, people say, oh, my God, that's so me or that's so true. And I haven't been looking at it. And so however you have done this, it's it is it's, it, it has a kind of magic to it, in my opinion. And I don't know if that's an appropriate word to use. So let's talk about the magical way in which this all came about. You as a young man, and then you made this journey one morning to a monastery and laid down with a stone under your head. And let's go from there. Yeah, well, there were two things, actually. There were, two, you know, there was the, the event that you're talking about, where, um, which I describe in the beginning of my book, where I was in Italy and um, in St. Benedict's uh, Grotto, where St. Benedict had his um, vision of his church, which became the Benedictine movement, a huge monastic movement, still very much alive today. And, and I wasn't particularly a Christian pilgrim or anything like that. I just happened to be there with my parents. They were, you know, on a, on a, on a kind of journey exploring uh, my uncle who was killed in the war in Italy, and we were going to his cemetery. Anyway, that's why I was there. Um, 
and and I was in lying in that cave on where he had his head and I just you know described opening my eye because the nuns had let me in early before any anyone arrived so I had the place to myself and for several hours and I was lying there and then I, I kind of had my eyes shut but I saw these two eyes looking at me really bright and 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 it passed through my whole body um, the feeling of what was in those eyes it was the eyes that had seen the Lord and the eyes that had that knew the eyes of a being who absolutely and 100% had cellular certainty of its divinity. And, and so, it, you know, it was a nice moment that I call it, I capture it in the beginning of my book. Um, but in a way, the, 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 that was a, a kind of after tremor of an earlier uh, experience where, um, you know, I had a, a full on kind of mystical awakening experience. And I know that we hear these stories from time Can to time. Can you talk about that a little bit, though? Yeah, um, mine was unusual in that I've not heard of another one similar in, in the fact that I, I was asleep. Um, so I'd gone to bed the night before. I was you know, living in a small cottage in the south of England. I'd gone to bed the night before and I woke up. And as I woke up, I woke up into the experience. So I woke up from my sleep into awakeness. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I haven't heard of another account like that. So it's a little no, bit that's not that's not typical. I yeah, mean, I interviewed bit. a lot of people that have had awakenings. And that's yeah. the first time I've heard that one. <laughs> but it's quite funny in, in a way. Um, yeah, so I just woke up into this experience that then lasted for three days and three nights, and didn't stop. Um, and it was being in this field of light of this intelligence of of light of higher consciousness i guess and and knowing my true self um and it was a it was a really um earth shattering three days and and three nights there was no i didn't sleep um and in a way you know i i was in this kind of cosmic consciousness i guess you could say and anything i wanted to know i could know i mean it was like Wow, it was like a I was like a child being given the secrets of the universe. Anything you want to know, when you're in the state, you can know it. You know, from the past, from the future, from evolution, how things work, all of that, and 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 it's communicated to you in a in a in an instantaneous, fathomless way, um, from the field of light. You know, and so yeah, and I went on a journey also in those three days. I, I kind of had a a sort of clear voice in me that was taking me on this journey and lots of amazing things happened over those three days and I ended up in North Wales on a small island called Bardsey Island very mythical place allegedly the the place where Merlin um, came to rest and I sat and I had to find a fisherman to take me out there you know in a little boat because it was there was no crossings or anything like that it's a tiny little place and um, and he dumped me there and left me there for the day and I sat on this little the little hill of the island um, in the, like a sparkling jewel in the middle of a blue sea there was only one on the island and um, and the the state I remember the state lifting sort of falling off me as I sat on that hilltop it sort of came to it started coming to a close like it it returned to the earth it was like this shawl falling off me and and then I was returned to my kind of ordinary state um, and um, and then the fisherman came and picked me up at the end of the day. <laughs> and for the next seven years, I was literally struggling, you know, with what had happened. Well, how does one even begin to process 
three days of information that opened you to the cosmos and the future of humanity and be able to articulate that into this incredible volume of work, these 64 gene keys. I wonder about uh, how does that even happen? And those seven years that followed, what did you do? How, how did you process it? Uh, I went through lots of different phases. I went through a, I'm being quite honest, I went through a very vain Messiah complex phase that lasted a few months where I just <laughs> thought I'm it. Um, and, and, and I was aware of the psychosis, you know, close. <laughs> it's kind me. of obligatory. Everyone's yeah. had an opening seems to go through so, the Messiah. So bit. I had that Messiah bit. And then I had the denial phase that mm-hmm. lasted like maybe a year, you know, where I just said, you know, I was a bit later. I just said that didn't happen. It was just, you know, I can just get, get on with my life. I can't, you know, comprehend it. It was an illusion. Um, I don't know why, cause I didn't take anything. I, there was no, I was not on any, anything. It was just, a, it was, that was why I couldn't like, blame anything <laughs> um and I, prior to that moment i was a never i was never a particularly imbalanced person i was i had a good childhood i you know fairly privileged and anyway not so known I, to be delusional no no um <laughs> and anyway so there was that phase and then there was um you know various other phases but it slowly slowly i started to kind because i didn't have a framework for it at all i had nothing to hang it on and my friends were growing up and having children and going on to getting jobs and and i just couldn't do those things i because this thing had just stopped me and, and i was on sort of pause and trying to integrate it i didn't know what to do and i um but slowly started to integrate it. It just, I think it took me seven years. And in those seven years, I came across, I traveled a lot and I went through various systems and things um, which helped me piece it together. Particularly the I Ching became a very good framework, the 64 code I Ching and, and the system human design, um, which uses the 64. Um, so those became like pillars um, and, and several other thing and all the other things I'd accumulated I guess over my lifetime up until so that then point. did it become a process of um contemplation fueled by the things you just mentioned that allowed this information to flow from you as you say to flow from you yeah yeah absolutely I mean the human design piece which is you know it was a, it was a really important piece um because i went so i went to sit with um ra ruhu the founder and got to know him very well and um and in his presence i felt the same transmission that i had had and i can't explain that i thought this guy's had the same transmission and it was around 1987 that he had an experience and mine was 1996 um but it had the same flavor to it and very much so. It, it was coming through him in a very different way. I, I hadn't, I hadn't sort of, I hadn't sort of worked it out yet, but I recognised it. And so I sat in the back of his classes. I didn't take a single note. I never took a note. I wasn't interested in learning it particularly in that way. I just absorbed the sort of frequencies because it was still quite fresh in him, his teaching, and and I'd also done. I'd, I'd studied with. Um, Taoist teachers in in the East and things. So I, I had other frameworks as well um, that I was integrating. Um, and I've been to India, just like you know, all of us on pilgrimages. Um, and yeah, so I, I was assimilating a lot of different things. Um, but that was a key piece, and it was also a difficult piece because after a while, I started to feel very strangled in the language of human design, and and kind of felt myself pushed out. 
um, by both literally by the some of the community there who didn't like me changing the language. Um, although Ra was actually a kind of okay with it, um, but we'd become quite kind of close then. Um, but eventually I had to leave that that world and carve my own path. And the transmission was very much alive in me. And then I had another opening and it was another three day opening. It wasn't as intense as the first one because I think I was maturer. Um, it was weird though, because I had, you know, by then I got married and I had a child, a young child. And then I had this transmission, this kind of spiritual thing in me. Couldn't afford to lose it for seven years. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was literally changing nappies and kind of receiving cosmic things at the same time. And I, I, was, I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it was much more integrated into real life. And, and then I started to formulate what became the Gene Keys um, in time. So let's go to the visions that you were downloaded with in terms of where this is going for humanity. Um, let, so we'll take the broad picture first, because you said we're going through a new solar phase. And you've also mentioned the year in your works of 2027. That's only five years from now. So, so let's get a view, because as you say in the Gene Keys, it's very optimistic. Where we're headed as a species is it's a very optimistic view of this. So let's ex please explain to us what you saw. Yeah, well, as I so I, so I wrote the Gene Keys book in um, you know uh, it, it was published in two thousand and nine, and so that took uh, you know a long time to write, many many years, and it was my contemplations of the I Ching of the of the well I came to call the Gene Keys, um, sixty four codes of life. Um, and I took a long time contemplating and writing those, and that became the Gene Keys book. And I and I wrote them in a random order as they came to me. Um, and um, some of them came in a rush, others came slowly in the different ways. At one point, um, I was doing the 55th Gene Key, number 55, um, and it kind of was an, an anomaly um, from all the others. It kind of contained a prophecy, and none of the others had that. It, and it was much longer and it sort of poured through me. Um, and in that prophecy was this, here's, this is about the future human. Um, and that was a very important key in, in Ra's methodology as well, because it was a, it's a breakthrough point where the procession of the equinoxes, if you're using um, the gene keys or human design, you can see in 2027, there's a huge shift in the epoch of, if you're using that system. Um, and the, and it's a shift into that key, into that code number 55 and 59, which is opposite. Um, and those two together kind of are birthing a new epoch. So it's something completely new. And so that 55 for me was the key of, it became the key of freedom. And, um, and many, it was an anomaly and lots of things kind of wrote themselves into that chapter. And I was quite kind of freaked out by it. And I thought, do I really want to go on the record with all this? Um, because, it, yeah, it was about a future human, a collective human, a collective consciousness, a tr you know, and a transitionary human that before we're in that and possibly breakdowns uh, um, in many areas of life, including perhaps our psyche, in order that that, that new structure could come in. And, um, you know, I, I, I was very inspired by Ra's understanding of that and, and the notion that it was going to be a cellular mutation actually in our DNA, 
And that resonated with me, like it's going to be a physical change in the architecture of our biology that, you know, that will, you know, come through, you know, new children, um, a mutation. And, and mutations happen in species. They've happened in humanity in the past. They usually happen because of um, cataclysmic events of some form or, um, you know, some cr crisis or turmoil. Um, and um, and they so they require often you know they're either very very slow and gradual which is rarer transmutations, or most of them throughout history are very fast and rapid because of a crisis that happens. That's that's actually a biological kind of fact. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So um, it makes sense of the earth changes uh, that we're going through now and the different you know the difficulties that are all kind of coming to a head and this whole you know what i call the whirlwind um that that 55 is part of what is called in gene keys the ring of the whirlwind it's a it's sort of a bit like the tower in the tarot you know it's this this incredible kind of shifting energy that's in our biology and in a and in our outer life so it's, it's so it's pouring through us we have no choice but to go through the whirlwind we don't i don't i wasn't shown what it would look like um i just saw the patterns and i saw what well, now was... we see what it looks like yeah we're now <laughs> beginning to see yes um, but i did see what it would become you know because that's what i was in my three days i was it you know i was like this is the future human i'm in it and it was just uh, it was just this extraordinary love wisdom um which we've heard of from our teachers and embodied beings um you know and uh, it was real and I, and I felt it at every level of my being and and I felt the certainty of like in St Benedict's eyes I felt the certainty of its coming um and I, I can't transmit that but I do in my teachings um I feel it in my body when I when I speak I, it's there in the background um so I, I bring good news <laughs> really <laughs> You do. And what's interesting about this, okay, in all of this work, this key number 55, I remember reading that it frightened you because it meant true freedom. And this was something that we don't really grasp yet. We're so busy clinging to the familiar so we can have any kind of sense of identity, which is literally blocking the flow of that light into our DNA to program ourselves in new ways. And so you had to contend with like you said, should I even print this? But also the fear that comes up when en masse or individually we're confronted with actual freedom. So let's talk about that for a moment because there's never been a period of time in modern history that we've been um, given the opportunity to choose differently than the last few years. As everything else, systems, institutions, jobs, everything are dropping away, shutting down. So can you talk about this notion of the beauty of the potential of this mass freedom in this transformation. Yeah, I mean, the freedom ultimately is the freedom from fear. Um, but in order to, you know, move through that, to, to, to kind of um, harvest that freedom, uh, we have to go through the shadow. And that's what the, the basis of the Gene Keys became for me. The work of the Gene Keys is that um, it's all begins with the shadow working, you know, so it's why gutsy people are drawn to it because, um, you know, you've, you've got to be courageous to really look into your shadows and the keys show you your shadows. 
um, and they show you the gifts lying in those shadows behind them, like see that like the shadow is the seed, and then the gift is the flower, and then what I call the city, which is like the divine essence, is the fruit. And so there's that. So you know we have to really look into those seeds of our suffering, and understand them, and know them inside us, and and really feel them. You know we can't sidestep those deep deep fears of our forgetting. Um, we have to go through the layering of them, uh, which is it just it just is intense work, as you know. Um, and so I laid out a framework so that people could do that work in detail, um, and they could kind of find their algorithms of their fear, their fear keys, and and really under and really kind of imbibe them and contemplate them and see them in action, and have the courage to be in them rather yes, than yeah. try and sort of get out of them. Or distract, because we distract ourselves. Yes, in fact, you wrote something really profound, and I, I wrote mm -hmm. it down here. I quoted you on this, okay? It said, fear is the raw material of higher states, which I thought was a pretty profound comment, because everybody is, is trying to shut down and run from the fear, and we do want to transform it, because it's simply something that's has to be moved through, so to speak, in order for us to move to the new levels of change. But what did you mean by fear is the raw material of the higher states yeah well it's like i said it's the seed yeah and inside that seed is the gift and it's yeah. uh, it's always been like a joke in a way a divine joke that i was kind of sent had that knowing that the way to heaven is not up it's down and the shaman always knew this it's down in the underworld where our freedom is hidden it's in the place we least want to look and and where we least expect um and and so in a way, I have this other sentence that I use quite often, which is that fear is safe. And it's a paradoxical statement, um, but it's a very powerful statement if you really let it deeply in. And the Gene Keys kind of, we have this um, thing called the Gene Keys approach, which is how we approach in Gene Keys, how we approach all the different aspects of the wisdom teachings, because there are lots of them. Um, and uh, and it's, we approach with gentleness, and with deep patience. And that's how fear needs to be approached. You can't go at it with a sword. Mm -mm. You have to, like a, like a frightened child or a frightened animal, which is what we are, um, we have to really be gentle with our own fears so that, they, so that we, are, we feel safe even in our fear. And if we can get to that state, we start to feel freedom because we start to realize, oh my God, I don't, my life no longer has to be about trying to escape fear. I yes. Guess. Yeah. So we befriend and, it in a way. Yes. And you say, as you write about and, and, and many of the other people I've interviewed coming from their different areas of wisdom say, uh, this isn't just our fear. This isn't something that's just been propagated within this lifetime. We're carrying ancestral fear going all the way back to animalistic type survival. And our reactions emotionally are still functioning on that level today. So it's time if we're going to be breaking through into this new level of light, a lightness of being. And as you say, loving wisdom, living, loving wisdom, it makes sense. The density of this fear we've been dragging in our subconscious with us through all of these, these millennia has to be addressed. And as you say, that's a really scary thing. 
I hope you're enjoying this video because if you are, there are dozens more like it on my site, all supported by people like you. So if you'd like to keep this work rolling in and join our community, just click on the Patreon button at reginameredith.com. That also gives you access to insider commentary, my live book club, and other live events with special guests. So join in. Thanks. The, 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 good, side, the good side of it is and of the gene keys that have really i think helps people and, and me as well is that you have a word for each fear um but then you have a word for the gift that's hidden yes. in that fear and then you actually have a word for the transcendence of that fear um so i'll give an example like one i always seem to use is conflict because it's so like up in the for all of us you know there's personal conflict there's co the collective conflict there's you know it's, it's everywhere in humanity and the gene keys are like that they're littered everywhere but if you have, if that's one of your primary fears is based on like if you create conflict where in your relationships, for example, it just happens all the time. Um, then, you know, the, what's the gift of that conflict? The gift is, is diplomacy. It's the art of diplomacy. So if you really work with conflict and you get, a, and you, and you because it's showing up, you become an amazing um, diplomat you become not not in sort of false false sense you become a natural empath of dealing with the fear of others and the fear of yourself um, and so you then can move really fluidly through relationships in a very sympathetic um, way and so that becomes then a gift that you can work with others and you can really help people you know who are in fear or who are in all kinds of you know in, uh, with health problems or all kinds of things because it's all rooted in fear ultimately um, and then the highest level um, in that instance would be peace. So conflict, diplomacy, peace. And peace is already there within the fear, within the conflict. So the conflict actually contains the, the, the kind of, the, it's like an acorn with the oak of peace hidden inside it. And that, and that watering and that growing of learning the art of diplomacy is what finally brings us back to the peace that was hidden in the conflict. So what it does is it gives us an enlightened understanding of the shadow state. And, and that changes our whole reality because then instead of like being dogged by this horrible thing that keeps coming back, it has a higher purpose. It does. You know, and I think it's very important that it's articulated and paired together so that you can see, first of all, there is no one that doesn't have shadow states in some aspect of their being. And this dives into pretty much all aspects of the being. We're going to do, we're actually going to break this down into a few parts because it's such a massive body of work. And I want to drill down um, in the next conversation, we'll be talking about kind of your life purpose, but the another part that's just so uh, dense with potential in a good way is the Venus sequence, which is our relationships in life. And you can look in one area, maybe you don't see a whole lot of shadow, but you look over here, oops, maybe that's the area I still have to look into a little bit further. And it's so it's laid out in a way because everybody has some of these elements. You don't have to take it personally and feel somehow shame or guilt around having shadow because a lot of people don't they don't want to delve into it because it's too painful. So what would you say for anyone that's just jumping on this particular part of your journey there? Yeah, I would say, you know, that repeat what I said earlier about gentleness and patience, that mm -hmm. it's a journey and that, you know, I teach the art of contemplation, which is um, going very gently into these fear states. I mean, it's not like you actually have to really make them up because they're there every day anyway so the yeah. moment you kind of begin to contemplate them you begin to sense them 
and you can see yourself um, when uh, feel them inside you. In fact, the more attuned you become, you realize it's always there. In fact, you know, it's like a friend was saying to me the other day, we were kind of remembering, uh, you know, like a holiday in the sort of 10 years ago. And we go, oh, wasn't that a wonderful time and all that? And we, you know, how we do that. And he said, uh, yeah, but do you know what? When you, when you kind of reframe that memory, you take out the core contraction that's actually always there inside you. Yeah. <laughs> you sort of take that bit out and you realize oh, God, it, it actually was there. Mm -hmm. but, and, and it's always there. Um, and it's that kind of what we call the core wound. And, and it's like, as you get deeper and deeper in the work, you're less afraid of, of handling that, of dealing with that. You actually don't have to sort of do anything with it. It's, you just create this space that contempla contemplation creates this space so that you can feel it in a, yes. you know, and, and you don't have to kind of worry about it. And then you create that, that slight distance inside you um and and you can it enables you to relax more deeply and then allow its transformational process you know to yes. kind of move through you and it is jinkies is all about that transformation all about gentleness and patience in the yeah. journey okay yeah. so another thing you mentioned is that many human beings believe that these shadow elements are actually our natural state which i do not agree with um, I don't think you agree with that either. So if you could please explain why this is not our natural state. Yeah, well, it would, you know, I think if it was our natural state, we would have destroyed ourselves a long time ago. <laughs> um, if you take something really simple like impatience, you know, this is one of my uh, keys that in my profile. And, um, you know, impatience, we kind of sometimes look at it, we go, well, you know, I'm really impatient and I'm, it's good. It's a, it can be a good thing. Um, because it gets me going and doing things. And actually, if you go deep into what impatience really is, it's a deep restlessness of our yes. soul that cannot settle, right? And, and, and doesn't trust in the natural un, you know, rhythm of the unfurling of life itself. So it's a real falling out of deep trust in our body. So working with that, you know, it's not just like, oh, I'm feeling impatient. There's a deeper layer of, of, of forgetting behind it and as we drop deep into that and we can see it more clearly the patience which is the gift hidden in impatience begins to begins to kind of saturate our system our immune system and then we begin to rest and relax you know because we realize everything is all right everything does always resolve itself in it on its own you know and, and we begin to feel that trust so the the shadow states are the raw material, you know, they're the beginning of the journey, but they're, so in that sense, they are kind of a part of what we are, um, but they're only a small part and, mm. and they're, they're, they really are shadows, you know, they're kind of, they're mirrors, they're reflections of something that's really pure and sweet and eternal and they're finite, you know, a shadow is a finite state. Whereas a transcendent state, like a city, one of those higher states, like um, in the case of, um, since I did impatience, patience, the city would be timelessness. And timelessness is a transcendent state. It's an eternal state of consciousness. It's, it's when, it's, you know, if anyone's ever had a glimpse of that, whether through doing mm -hmm. plant medicine or doing, having deep meditation or whatever it was, sometimes just spontaneously a moment of timeless presence emerges and um 
you know, we, we have that kind of merging energy with life and <clears throat> that is our natural state. Um, yes. But the kind of joke in the game, and it's not, you know, it's not always a funny joke, is that we have to go through these, these trickster energies, these, these kind of the turmoil, the trauma in order to unlock these higher states. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes we have issues where we, uh, uh, that, that's very beautifully said, by the way, I was going to share that um, when I was going through uh, some of the gene keys with a book, with a, a couple of girlfriends, we were having a little gene keys party. Okay. Uh -huh. And going through the activation or the main sequence, uh, life purpose and life's work keys. What was really interesting is because we know each other well, we could see things in each other that were true that we couldn't see in ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a really beautiful way to review the work a little bit is in the company of trusted, mature, and I mean mature spiritually, all different age groups here, mm -hmm. um, mature people who have the capability and courage to be able to look at both the shadow, but also it's even more difficult, it seems, for people to look at their gift, especially women. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if it is especially women, but, I, really? but I, I definitely know what you mean. Um, yeah, we're very good at, at, at kind of wallowing our shadows. Um, and so I kind of say, uh, I have a little ditty where I just say, look, if you're, when you're doing this work, if you put 10% of your awareness on the shadow state and the other 90 on the gift and the city, mm -hmm. then that's a healthy balance. So it could, because what it does is it means that there's always a part of you that's aware and alert for, for your own shadow um, if it comes up. But most of you is focused on what's, what's arising. So that gives you the pull. That gives you the, you know, the boundless energy of like that light field that you really are. It's not, it's, it's, and it's not about kind of dreaming of something in the future because it is now. That's, that state is, is now, it's just slightly concealed by the shadow. So by putting your awareness into that more expanded state um, and, and literally using that art of contemplation where you actually kind of imagine, you can begin by just imagining yourself as that state. Um, and you can begin to see yourself as that gift or, you know, and, and that's what brings us the empowerment to, you know, because as you start thinking of yourself in that new way, um, you, you, it begins to happen, you know, but it takes time. It's pa that's why patience is important and gentleness for looking at the shadow, because you're right, you know, we're very good at kind of doing hard work, you know, like I'm going to tense up and going to work on my shadow now. And uh, that's not the way. No, <laughs> it's, it's not a proven successful way to tackle these things, you know, going in gently and softly and just allowing it through and in as you said in the company of friends and allies that's a beautiful way to work with these these the gene keys and you know we're a we're a big community around the world of people who are you know doing that work together finding friends finding you know there are a lot of gene keys groups and gatherings and people that work with them together some people like to work on their own and and it's been designed so that you can as well um because uh, there's a sort of loner in me and I kind of understand that as well. Um, but ultimately, at some point, especially when you get to the Venus work, which we're going to talk about, I think, later, um, you need to have other people because you can't see your relationship patterns without being in a relationship of some form. So right. and, and that's where the 
you know, that's where the real deep patterns are hidden. So, right. And when you're talking about solo work, because I, I had fun doing that with them. I mean, it's, it's a party to us exploring all this together, yeah. but most of it I do by myself because uh, one thing is you can read it. You can read the gene keys in the book, but also when you start diving into the courses, you're able to listen to the audio files where you're flowing the information fl through. And I don't even know how you had time to record all of this, but all these different sequences and all the gene keys themselves. So you can sit and listen to your voice and just sort of contemplate and feel what's going on without having to necessarily intellectually engage. And this is really key because it's such a big body of work. Some people are intellectually overwhelmed. So maybe speak to that for a moment, because yeah, this is about discovering your genius. And that doesn't have to do with being some intellectual, intellectually gifted genius. Genius means something much broader. Yeah, genius is more to do with love, actually, and, and the, the capacity of us to be in tune with our heart. Um, and, and, you know, that's really where genius flows from, true genius. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a really good question, like, um, and, and important for newcomers to Gene Keys to understand right away that this is not a knowledge system. Um, and if you, for instance, came from human design, that's a knowledge system, you know, so you're taking stuff in and learning it. And the Gene Keys is a wisdom transmission. So the wisdom, the transmission is, is between the words. It's the light field. It's, it's in the consciousness. It's in the quantum web. It's in us. So wisdom is something that gets triggered from within us. It's already in there as opposed to putting in knowledge. So the, that's the first hurdle in a way that many people have to get past. It's yeah. like we're used to coming in from that left brain view and thinking, okay, I've got to learn something here. And I've got to learn all these words and things. And it's not the case. That's why I've recorded those things as audios. And all, I did all that kind of writing. So for some people prefer to read. Some people like to listen. Some people just like to lie back. And, you know, there's meditations and things as well. But it's it's all designed to cut, for you to find your way into the wisdom that's already inside you. So in a way, the whole of the Gene Keys is a bit of a trick. And I'm, I'm really open about that. It's to trick you into your own wisdom. And I said, there's nothing I can put in you. You, know? you call um, it wild wisdom, a system of yeah, wild wisdom. It is. And you say it's a system no one can tell you, uh, no one can help you. There are no gurus. This is a process of finding the wild wisdom within you and self-discovery, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's why contemplation mm. is the key. No one else can contemplate for you. And it's a beautiful thing, contemplation. It's a beautiful word. When you learn the art, it's not just thinking. It's, it's creating a circle in which you place a notion or an idea or a question. And then you, and then you keep the focus of that circle. And it can drift in and out of your consciousness. You can forget about it. That's fine. Part of contemplation is very liberal in that way. Um, and you can use any other techniques that help you. But essentially, you're holding a soft focus on an area of your being it might be a shadow might be, you know, one of those higher cities. And as you hold it there for weeks, um, months, even years, you begin to kind of inhabit it, you know, it slowly seeps into you because it's, it's already in you. So it starts to kind of trigger those that that part of our DNA. It's why they're called gene keys, because it's these higher states are encoded in us. And those, yes. Yeah, I want to go to that right now, as a matter of fact, 
gene keys, and you're talking about gene codes to stimulate these keys. So let's just get the technical understanding of what's happening between information, light, and DNA, and then our own ability to program that DNA. It's not already pre-programmed for us, although we do bring stuff in. So let's talk about that for a moment, because then I would like to go to another little place, because we're going to be doing activation sequences, life's purpose next time, and getting into your keys and life purpose, because I found that interesting. Yeah. So first, let's let's do the other one on DNA, yeah, light, information, programming. Yeah, totally. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a poet, not a scientist. So the, the view that you get from me is a poet's view of DNA rather than a scientist's view, although I have a basic understanding of the other as well. Um, so I want to make that clear at the beginning. Um, for me, when I had my three days state and other times, you know, where I've been in that field, um, I realized that the light was coming from my DNA. It was coming from the core of my being. It wasn't coming from outside, it was coming from inside. And so I realized that those higher states are inside us waiting for their time. So it's just like the future human and humanity that's coming is waiting for its time. It's waiting to emerge from inside us. That's why we use the figure of the dragonfly in Gene Keys because it's a creature that emerges. It's a winged dragon iridescent creature that emerges from a dark gray kind of underwater insect that's, mm. you know, um, and it's a lovely story that. So, um, yeah, that that kind of emergence is is actually what it's all about. And, yeah, we have our our kind of genotype. We have our DNA that's kind of configured inside us with our predispositions and all that. What I kind of realize is that if you change the frequency of the programming, then you get a different response from the same DNA. So if you so if you raise the frequency, so if the field of the quantum field moving through your DNA, if the frequency of it, of the of the the vibration of it go, goes up, then a different hidden component of its programming emerges. But otherwise, it's lying there dormant. Right. So that's why we have to, you know, it's through our attitude, it's through our inner language, it's through how we see ourselves and the world, our worldview. All of that is, is programming the kind of quantum field of our being and our DNA. So when you work with the Gene Keys over a long period of time, you your worldview really opens up because you start to, you're really looking at things through these higher views, but you're not bypassing the shadow. You're not doing spiritual bypass. That's, that's not, not permitted, <laughs> you know, because it starts with the shadow and you have to that, that you keep that 10%. You can never let that waver, you know, even when you're doing really well, like those, that's the time when it's perhaps most risky, you know, so we do begin to expand and our DNA does begin to respond because it is all imprinted in our body. So these higher states do genuinely begin to emanate from us. This is where it yeah. also departs from a lot of kind of classic new age programs that if you just stay in a high state and think positive thoughts, it's all going to happen. Well, there is an element of raising your frequencies up, but you have to have the self-responsibility and maturity here to be able to acknowledge the parts that's continue to nag or pull at your being energetically and continue trying to transform those instead of just ignoring them and sitting on a mountaintop. That's 
that's, I think, the mature part of this. So what I wanted to get into is we, I alluded to it. No, I actually mentioned it earlier, the year 2027, and then also moving from homo sapien to homo sanctus, I believe it is. Is that how, what you call it? Yeah, that's my name for it. Yes, right? that's your name for it. I love it. Um, so let's talk about what that means and the importance of 2027. Yeah, well, as I said, that was, um, you know, that's a kind of a marker, an evolutionary marker. Yeah. Where the procession of the equinoxes moves into a new frame for humanity. So a new epoch. And um, and so you could literally, you know, uh, you know, I mean, these things don't happen overnight. Uh, they're markers. So it's not like you come to that year and then everything changes. It's a bit like 2012. They're, and, and 2012 is part of this process as well, as was 1987, these convergences, these, you know, these markers. And 2027, in a way, is the last of those three markers from 1987. They're a triple set series. And, um, and they're the kind of transition period for humanity. Um, and, and so, but it doesn't mean like as soon as you get to 2027, it's like all over. But what it does mean, perhaps, is that, that that future mutation begins to start cropping up in humanity, you know, and it might be very subtle at the beginning. And at the moment, maybe we're, we're kind of in the hybrid stage where we're seeing kind of early forms and, and, and you know, with the, with the increased kind of self-awareness moving through humanity, um, but at the same time, all the old kind of forms becoming more rigid. All of that is part of this transition. Um, so I, I'm, I don't have any illusions that it's going to happen overnight. Um, it's probably going to take a long time because, you know, in terms of evolution, it's going to be very, very quick. But then Gaia has a different time frame from us. You know, so if you think it's going to all happen in your lifetime, I think you might be disappointed. <laughs> you true. Um, yeah. But we're seeing things change. We're seeing the but human we change. We're seeing human capability, psychic functions change. Definitely. We're seeing mass allergic reactions within society to so many things, yeah. uh, including food groups where we're just rejecting, our yeah. beings are rejecting things out of hand. Um, and so it seems to me, these are the markers that our body is starting, our body, our emotions, our psyche is beginning to clear the way through the new light, the new information, the new solar cycle that's coming in. And to me, that's a very exciting period yeah. of time. It's, it's hugely exciting. Um, as I said, it's a whirlwind. And, you know, we kind of like you need to think about how, you know, what when a whirlwind's coming, um, what's the best thing to do? <laughs> um, it, it's actually to just kind of get rid of stuff. Yeah. Um, and just and then and, and maybe not hide indoors, but actually just go out and meet it. Um, and, and so it's, it, you need, you, you know, you don't want to have sharp objects around, you know, like those kind of <laughs> judgmental patterns and things you want to get, you want to round everything off. You want to get rid of things. You want to be light. Um, I don't mean necessarily in our possessions. I just mean in our inner being. Um, so, yeah. And I, and I think it's a, it is a very exciting time. Um, and I think it is, I, I am realistic. It is also a frightening time uh, at the same time, because, fear will ramp up, um, I think, because it has to. It has to reach a kind of fever pitch. It does. In order that there's that breakthrough. You know, that, that's the nature of metamorphosis. It has to, it always does that. Yes. You know, in, in, if wherever you look in nature or biology or creatures, you see like in the butterfly or the dragonfly, those creatures that metamorphose, 
there's always a very intense period of of not seeing what's happening not understanding what's going on right. and that's where the fear becomes very um acute so in a way the gene keys and the gene keys community is preparing individuals and groups to be able to ride the whirlwind you yes know, confidently in a, with deep stability inside ourselves and even with joyousness at, at times perhaps Yes, well, hopefully there's joyousness alongside it. Okay, so before we wrap up, let's just talk because we're going to be talking about the activation sequence and life's life's work. Um, And yours is gene key number 64, which is illumination. That's your key. So just briefly tell us what this is as you, as the person that has brought this information through, how this functionally operates in your own life as a 64. Yeah, well, you know, as you said, there are 64 of these keys. Keys. They're the codes to life. Um, they're, they're the codes in our DNA, 64 of them. Um, they are probably the backdrop of the space-time continuum, which is a 64-fold structure. They are the fundamental basis of, of the musical octave, eight eights, you know, and of geometry and fractals. And you'll find this pattern everywhere. It's actually in, it's embedded in our technology. You know, it's 64-bit technology and that allowing people to watch us right now. So it is everywhere if we really kind of understood these patterns. So, yeah, it's funny in a way that my life's work, which, you know, is, is number 64, because that's been my life's work, is understanding these 64 codes, sharing them with others. Um, the so illumination. That, yeah, illumination. I mean, and I had that experience. I have progressively had those experiences of illumination and and underneath that, the gift is imagination. Is like, how can I dream this into being using my human imagination? Um, and that's where it started for me. Is like, I can if I can dream it in, then it can, you know, that illumination it can begin to kind of touch other people's imagination, and and give them hope, you know, and and bring them out of the confusion, which is the shadow of that that key, you know, because yeah. we can be very lost with what's going on in the world today and very deeply confused, not just mentally, but in our whole being. And so understanding, you know, for me, it's been, you know, I, I used to be quite confused myself. I like, what am I going to do with all this? How am I, how do I make sense out of my own life? And then the illumination kind of brought that into sort of an order inside me, but it's not a kind of linear order. you know the 64 is a wild order it's like organic order like everything has a hidden order a fractal order um a kind of holographic order and that's why you know in the jinkies when you do these profiles they're called hologenetic profiles it's a holographic um understanding of you're a part of a series of your body is a part of a series of algorithms and formulas that run it um and your consciousness is inhabiting it and, and your consciousness is the same consciousness as in other people, but it, but with a, with a different variation, you know. So, yeah, really understanding these keys can really help us understand our destiny and why we're here. And, you know, it, it's our, it, the Gene Keys journey is about the journey. It's not about, it's not like human design where it says this is who you are. It doesn't tell you who you are. Who you are is an eternal mystery. Right. You cannot answer that question <laughs> with words, but it tells you the frame of your journey, 
here's your journey, here's what it looks like. You're gonna meet this shadow. You're gonna to have to transform it into this gift and, and, and it's gonna flower eventually into this beautiful spiritual transcendent essence. That's the journey. It gives you those the framework of that journey. And final thing I'll say is that because it's just showing journeys, you know, many of us have similar journeys. So like if you're born on the same day as someone else, you've got a similar journey, but you're a different being. You're a mysterious soul inside there that's completely unique to you. That can't be caught by an algorithm. But the journey can. You know, so two journeys identical with two beings in them create two completely different lives. Yes. And I found it fun. I was playing with it. So uh, I've looked into it a bit deeper than what I'm saying right now. But just as as scratching the surface, um, I wrote down a couple of the characteristics of the number 43, which is my life's work, which really has to do with being a bit rebellious (laughs) and not caring too much to step in with how society operates. not easily controlled by others, uh-huh. um, but here to bring new vision into the world. And so when I was reading that, I thought that's perfectly in alignment with my, certainly my father would tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't like stepping in line behind whatever the, the norm is. And so I found that kind of freeing to see I'm doing exactly what I was born to do. Yeah, And I, yeah, I feel I really, I yeah, I do. I really feel that. Uh, I feel that that's that's pointing to one's dharma. And so for me, it feels good to in that part of my life to have been able to step into that. So it was really fun because it's so obvious. Well, and the other people that I've been uh, with, well, we've had had our little gene key uh, party, so to speak, felt the same way. They 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 related very strongly to those those first four points that come up in your profile. So whatever Mm -hmm. you've done there, it seems to speak Uh truth and it has so much light in it. We've been talking about shadow a lot, but actually this is filled with light. So yeah. any final comments before we bookmark this until the next time where we go into life's purpose. And then in a third conversation, we're going to go into the Venus sequence, which is how all of this helps us navigate relationships. Maybe the most challenging thing happening in the world right now. So final thoughts, Richard. I think, the, yeah, my final thing is like, if, you, if you're new to the Gene Keys and, and, or even if you're not, like just to remind you what I said earlier, that it's, this, is an actually an, this is actually an easy thing to digest, even though there's a lot. And you, you, you even look at my book, it's like a big book. And you're like, wow, look at the, I don't have to read all that. You don't have to read all that. It's the whole code book. You only need <laughs> to kind of understand your codes and you don't even need to understand them. But if you, when you read them, you might really enjoy reading them. It's it, fun. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think it's an enjoyable journey as well as it doesn't have to kind of overwhelm you or confuse you. If, it, if you are overwhelmed and confused, that's quite natural. Um, but it's also a phase that you'll, as you begin to realize what this is, you'll let go of that overwhelm, that confusion. You'll start to really play because yeah. it's a playful system. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Yeah, um, it is. Play is a good word. That's what I use. We're playing with the gene keys. Yeah. Richard, I want to thank you so much for the years it took you to compile this for <laughs> the rest of us. Thank goodness you're a 64 yourself and illumination yeah. and truth are part of your journey and to help us and inspire us to find that in ourselves. So um, until next time, um, I just want to thank you for taking the time today. 
Brilliant. So real pleasure. Thank you, Regina. You're most welcome. So everybody, you can go to genekeys.com. And also once you get there, you can play around because there are individual courses that you can do. Um, and Richard's recording his own voice. And it, like you said, you kick back. I was watching the birds out the window, listening to some of the audio files. And you can kind of take it from there. So next time we're going to look at our life's purpose, how we can perceive that from the shadow to through the gift to the transcendence. And after that, relationships in the Venus sequence. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on reginameredith.com. If you enjoyed this video, be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel. And you might also want to consider joining Patreon, which allows me to keep all of this content free and available to everyone. And if you're looking for like-minded souls, you might also enjoy my online community called Our Neighborhood. Links to join are in the description.